Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Tea with HB is for everyone who dreams of a better world. Together, let's brew a new reality. Spirituality, the quality of being concerned with the human spirit or soul as opposed to material or physical things. I am so happy to chat with The Naked Pastor on this episode. David Hayward is a cartoonist, artist, author, former pastor, and my friend. I am drinking a lemon and manuka honey tea today. This is a particularly delicious and beneficial combination as we head into the winter months because it helps fight bacteria, soothe sore throats, and is a fantastic remedy for coughs and colds. Add cinnamon, ginger, and a dash of apple cider vinegar if you really want to feel relief from a sore throat. Yes, I did learn the apple cider vinegar hack from Pinterest. It works. I've been using it for years. Speaking of, you can follow me on Pinterest at Tea with HB. Whether religious, faithful, atheist, agnostic, or whatever label or lack thereof you feel most comfortable with, we all have spirit, and I am certain you will enjoy listening to this conversation. Hi, David. Welcome to Tea with HB. So online, you're known as the Naked Pastor. Can you tell us a bit about that? Yeah. Hi. Hi. Good to be here. Thanks for having me on your show and hello to all your your listeners. Yeah, the Naked Pastor, I'm not now, but I was pastoring a church at the time and I wanted to just be totally, completely honest with people. Uh, I wanted them to see the real life of a pastor so that's why it's Naked Pastor, just me being vulnerable and raw and real and no adornments, just just the, just the me. What you see is what you get. Yeah, I know authenticity is important to you, so that makes a lot of sense, yeah. And if you don't know David, he is a cartoonist and does amazing satirical comics of lots of different things um, that I love. And how did you get into that? How did that start for you? Have you always been drawing? Have you always been an artist? Yeah, well, yeah, ever since, you know, my earliest memories are drawing. I love a good cartoon. I thought one day, you know, why don't I try to communicate what I'm talking about through a cartoon? And so I, I, I challenged myself to do a cartoon every day and um, until I ran out of ideas. And I thought I might last a couple of weeks, maybe, or something. And here I'm still doing it, you know, 15 years later. Yeah, so that's how it all started. You talk a lot on your page about uh, deconstruction. And obviously mm -hmm. you say you were a pastor, you're not now. What happened there? <laughs> yeah, so I think I was the 
first to, I'm not, you know, bragging about <laughs> or anything, but I think I was the first to use the word deconstruction to refer to the erosion of our uh, beliefs. So uh, the term originally is a philosophical term um, that was uh, created by a French philosopher, Derrida. And um, he uh, was referring to how we read texts and how texts present themselves. So, but I, I, like the, I like the sound of the word. And, I, and I, I, what I saw happening in my own life and around me were people's beliefs were changing and some people's beliefs were eroding and crumbling away. And some people um, were even losing their faith as they knew it. And what I, what I saw was panic and fear and shame. And, um, you know, because in the religious world, that would all be referred to as like backsliding or doubting God or questioning the Lord or all these things. But I saw it as a, a legitimate um, phase or uh, a legitimate way of being spiritual and progressing and growing spiritually. It's not backsliding or a bad thing. I actually saw it as a good thing. So I started just encouraging people, hey, I normalize. I think I help people normalize uh, what they were going through and, and, and validated them. With any belief system, it should be questioned, in my opinion. I think if you're not questioning it, is it really mm -hmm. a true belief? Mm -hmm. And what I was told growing up in the church was, if you ever lose your faith, your faith was not strong enough to begin with. If you lose your faith, your faith wasn't real. And I think that's such a, a damning, judging way of being, because then what happens when you start right. to question and you feel like you're losing your faith? Are you then ostracized? Are you then mm -hmm. not good enough? I, there are so many questions that come along with that. And I think what, what you do to normalize it and make people feel more comfortable in being human and naturally questioning a belief yeah. system is really, really yeah. valuable. I mean, there's um, um, uh, an important work that came out um, like 25 or 30 years ago called Stages of Faith by Richard Fowler, and he talks about the six different stages of faith um, that people go through. Um, and they are somewhat loosely connected to age as well. And it's around the young adult age, uh, from adolescent to young adult, where you're at stage three, let's say, and you know you have a pretty strong belief system You've adopted it, you've inherited it, you've been conditioned to believe all these things, but then you start to question these things. Stage four is a very, very tumultuous time where you start to question everything you've been taught, everything you've been inherited. Um, you know, you, you start trying to shape your own life according to your own vision of who you are. And, and so the church is really good for helping people get to stage three where there, there's a sense of And certainty. it comes with that sense of community as well. Because you're, you're all in it together. That's you right. all have this faith. Yeah, you yeah. all have this thing in common. Yeah. And then if you're starting to question it, it's not right. just you're losing your faith. You're losing your church. You're losing your family. You're losing your friends. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Very, very traumatic for a lot of people when they, when they go through this deconstruction. Yeah. And when I, when I, when I left the ministry uh, in 2010... Um, that that was a, an, another kind of deconstruction, yeah. right? That was compounded 
Not, it, I think there's two kinds of deconstruction. One is theological, and the other is ecclesiological. One is where you deconstruct theologically your beliefs, and the other is your relationship to the church. And I see a lot of people going through one or the other or both, and it's, it's very traumatic. Mm. Yeah, and I think it's important to say this for people who have kind of never touched religion and don't want to talk about it at all, maybe, that church is not one singular thing and neither is faith, neither is religion. There are so many different perspectives and it would be really silly if there was just one way of doing things because the world is so big. <laughs> I like to make it clear that I'm not an enemy of the church. I don't hate the church. I, I love the church. The church did a lot of great things for me and uh, I was the pastor of some amazing communities, uh, especially my last church was just a, an amazing community. Uh, and I, we really enjoyed it. And, you know, we were open to questioning. My, my sermons were more like <clears throat> discussions where I would be on the same level with them, on, literally on the floor. That's so cool. And um, we would just talk back and forth and, and explore. And uh, yeah, I think that's a, a, when you give space for people to empower themselves, um, to uh, ask questions and to take uh, control of their own spiritual health, it's powerful. For yeah. your own personal beliefs, what is spirituality to you? Your uh, Spirituality to me, when I use that word, I'm, I always want to be clear that I'm not invoking uh, the divine or, or, or the supernatural or, um, you know, m miracles or anything like that. For me, the spirituality is the inner life of a person. Uh, the emotional, psychological, the 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 ins, inner deep life of a person for me is spirituality. So, you know, even um, you know, uh, an atheist philosopher might talk about spirituality, not referring to God at all, but the the sort of uh, of the the life of the person, the depth of the person, the inner life of the person, and. Um, how that provides meaning or seeks meaning yeah. and things like that. Yeah. yeah. And that's really interesting that you say that because I think for a lot of people, when you say spirit or spirituality, people are thinking big, people are thinking, you know, alternate mm. universes or separate from themselves, mm. much bigger than themselves. And right. it's interesting that spirituality can be seen as such an external separated thing and actually, I think we both see it as something that is that comes from within almost. That's interesting, yeah. The, at the same time, though, there is that sense of, when I say uh, the inner life of a person seeking meaning, uh, that does sort of give reference to an external kind of reality too, right? Oh, yeah. So for me, it's very much like the iceberg where, um, you know, 10% of it we might be aware of and acknowledge and embrace but there's that whole 90 percent that's beneath that's beneath the surface that we can't see and we want to understand i personally don't think that it's something you believe in or you don't i feel like spirituality is is just there and you can be as involved or not with it but if you're in the middle of a forest and all you can hear is the wind that's spirit to me that is the definition of spirit is that life force that's innate within all of us. Yeah, 
Sounds beautiful. <laughs> so the big question, do you believe in God? <laughs> oh, that, that, this is where it gets difficult because um, I get asked that a lot. And I've yet to come up with a really good answer because the problem with belief for many people is that it is black or white, either or, yes or no. And so when somebody says, do you believe in God? What I'm, I'm not hearing uh, so much a question of curiosity or, you know, let's philosophize or let's explore. For me, and I'm not, I'm not saying you did this or anything, but in the question, do you believe in God? It, it demands a yes or no answer when maybe it's just not that cut and dry or clear. So, um, and when somebody asks, do you believe in God? What comes with that question is all of their baggage and all of their, you know, so be, behind the question is, do you believe in the God I believe in? Yes. And, and, um, and that, that's just full of, of problems. And another, that, that's the first thing, is the question is loaded. The second thing is, um, the word is not the thing. Like, language is huge. We need it, of course. But it's ever-evolving, and, and it now. means something different but to it's each always person. Evolving. Yes. Right, and it's only, it's only a symbol attempting to point to the reality it's referring to. So even the word God, I mean, I can't believe the trouble I get into when I say... The word God is not God. Um, it really upsets people because it's, it's like people have a really difficult time because as soon as you start suggesting... It's actually with anything. If you suggest something different to what they have in their head, right, there's a defense right. mechanism coming up there, right? Well, it actually, even as I'm speaking to you now, I'm, I'm recognizing the challenge of, uh, of God or that which we call God is beyond our language and our words and, and even our thoughts. So as soon as we realize, and, and this was one of the most scariest kind of epiphanies I had years ago when I was meditating, when I realized my mind has the power to concoct ideas that I could worship. It's like John Calvin said, the mind is an endless factory of idols. And I totally agree. When we start to realize the word is not the thing, the word God is not God, my idea of God is not God. And so we need to, we need to explore, okay, what is, what is if anything, beyond yeah. these things? And that's where people are afraid to go. It's like in the Old Testament when the people actually said, uh, Moses, you go meet with God because we can't handle it. You come back and tell us about your experience. And that's how most people live their spiritual lives. Secondhand, conditioned, taught, yeah. inherited. Right. But, you know, even if you ask that question and the other person responds, yes, what do you then get from that? Because you don't know that it's the same God as your God. Mm -hmm. And you might well even have this exact same theological teaching and interpret it completely different ways. There is no definitive yes no answer right i found a more a more interesting concept recently is to think is there an afterlife and that could mean what more is there to this life 
what happens after death. And then you're inviting a philosophical discussion rather than a yes-no right. argument. Right. I had a friend um, many years ago. We were sitting down having Chinese food. And um, he was going through his own deconstruction at the time. And he said to me, David, either there is no God or everything's God. All, either all is God or there, nothing is God. And I'm like, I agree. And it's the same thing. It's, it's both sides of the same coin. But what is the coin? That's, that's <laughs> right. So if you can live in that mystical space where uh, you don't need the yes or no answer, you, you, just, you just live in that benediction or that sense of knowing and, and there's no fear, there's complete peace of mind that it's either all or it's, it's nothing. And it, it, but that's the same thing. It's the same thing. Yeah. Well, so, this, yeah. yeah. This is what I say about statistics. I'll probably get in a lot of trouble for saying this. But to me, you know, I have um, a disability that is ridiculously rare. And so when a doctor tells me something like, oh, take this medication, you know, the side effects are really rare. I'm thinking, I am rare. <laughs> like, <laughs> well, what are you saying right now? Yeah. And it's that kind of thing of, in my mind, you know, I'm, I'm young, I'm 19. I have time to change it. I'm just saying this now. But the conclusion I've come to so far, or my, my thoughts at the moment are that something either is or it isn't, something either will happen or it won't. Everything is 50%. Everything is a coin flip. And mm -hmm. statistics, mm -hmm. I find statistics really hard to get on board with because I think, well, what's your source? Mm -hmm. What's their source? Wh whose perspective is it? You know, is it a cis white male or yeah. is it a diverse group? You know, there are so many other questions that come behind it. And that's a lot like the question of, do you believe in God? It's not just, yeah, because there's so much more to it. And it's not just no. Yeah. There's so much no. more to it. No, that's right. So a lot of people, I, I did a cartoon. I think, I think when we were meeting one another, you mentioned that this was one of the first cartoons you saw. There's mm, a it's bunch my favorite of one. Yes. On a beach. And, um, uh, one can has atheist on it, one can has believer on it, one can has agnostic on it, and then there's another can just relaxing <laughs> on his beach chair, sunning himself, yeah. and he's got no label, and everybody around him, all the other cans are going, yeah. but what is he? And that, and, but yeah. he doesn't care, because he, he knows yeah. what's inside of him. Yeah. He doesn't need the label. Yeah. It's other people And this need is the, the other very important thing about identity, I feel, is that you don't need to prove who you are to anyone else. The most important thing is that your self-worth comes from within. Because if you're relying on other people to validate you the whole time, if you're relying on your church to say, yes, your faith is good, you are a good Christian, you are a good Catholic, or whatever it may be, mm -hmm. then are you really being authentic? Mm -hmm. Or free. Because you're relying on other people. And that is a right. sort of entrapment in itself, exactly. Yeah, I... I, I... I've always, I always tell people that if somebody was holding a gun to my head in a, you know, a, a, a dictatorial regime and they were saying, are you a Christian? Yes or no. And they were going to pull the trigger if I was a Christian it, or the opposite. If they were saying, are you, are you an atheist? Do you believe in God or yes or no? To me, 
I would do the opposite of what they wanted just because for me, what's most important is my freedom. That's what's most important. So that um, my freedom, and I could say both with conviction. So I get that a lot. People like, are you a Christian? Yes or no? I'm like, well, let's talk about it. No, it's just yes or no, dude. Tell me, yes or no. And and so I, I kind of reject labels and I leave the labels giving up to others and it's up to them to decide because that's their problem. Yeah, the only label I choose to own is my name. And if you're not okay with that, that's not only your problem, but I might not know who I am yet. I might not know all my values and I didn't think I will ever know anything concretely, Mm -hmm. but I'll be damned if I'm going to let anybody else decide. No, that's right. See, because what the most important thing is, and I emphasize this all the time. The most important thing is your freedom to just be who you are at any given moment. So like I'm looking out my window right now at a river flowing by. I can go down with a glass and dip it into the river and look at the glass. I can point to the glass and say, this is the river. And, and you could say, yes, it is the river. But then, but then it's not really the river. It's all the, also the river and the glass. And tomorrow it'll be different. Two hours from now it'll be different. That's how I think human beings are. It's kind of the Buddhist philosophy of nothing is permanent and that whole impermanence thing. And I'm okay with that. That's such a sort of impressive place to be, I feel. But it's also that thing of it's not even a philosophical, you know, glass half full, glass half empty. That body of water within that glass will have different minerals in it, depending on where you took it out of the river. So on a very Mm -hmm. physical, chemical level, Mm -hmm. it's not not all of the river. It's not the same part of the river. It's not the same <laughs> no that's right and and so when somebody asks me are you a, are you a believer or not what's happening at that moment yeah what so what's happening at that moment they're they need to figure out who i am so they know how to relate to me otherwise if i'm i'm not a believer or am a believer like they don't know how to relate to me they're afraid there there's a lot of fear in that question because they they don't know how to act with me it scares people uncertainty scares people and that's that's why the majority of people love and find comfort within labels that's right they need to know where to slot you i'm not i'm not going to say oh you know labels shouldn't exist because that's almost a label in itself you know that's another generalization and for so many people it can really help them know who they are and find a community that is accepting and loving of them sometimes it's convenient and helpful yes other times, it's it's all fear-based ways of relation. One of the things that I highly value, just like you said, is diversity. Um, and I believe there's unity and diversity, that there can be unity and diversity. Um, uh, for me, what makes a community work and, and healthy and exciting and energetic um, and productive, fruitful, is not homogeneity or sameness or conformity or, you know, believing the same things. For me, it's diversity, mutual respect, and, and love. And that's what really does create this dynamic community. So even right now, I have an online community called The Lasting Supper that is full of, it's just full of diversity. When we have people who are anything from church-going believers, maybe pastors, ex-pastors, people leaving the church, people in agnostic kind of ideas, some people who have moved into atheism, um, and we all get along. Yeah, without diversity, there isn't inclusivity, and then there's no unity. Right. Because if you're not diverse, you're excluding people, and then you can't be united. 
yeah, and you know, it might feel like unity, but it's very, very brittle, fragile, and mm. shallow. Because as soon as an other comes along who's slightly different, it's going to disrupt yeah. that that sense of exactly. unity. So, yeah, true unity must include diversity. It has to. Otherwise, it's not. Yeah, yeah. It's not unity. No, right. It's not the right yeah. thing. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I have been thinking a lot recently about all the suffering going on and this concept of we think we have so much free will and more often than not it's actually events that have happened to us that have shaped us and how much of it is our authentic self and how much of it is other people's opinions of us or or whatever it might be and and I've been thinking you know I don't I don't really want to believe in heaven or hell anymore. <laughs> what's what's your view on the afterlife? One of the things that I love to do is read quantum physics. And you know it, it's it's fascinating. It's it's fascinating. You know there's no such thing as time. It's a it's a it's a human construct, right? So when we think of eternal life as linear uh, that's not really time isn't linear we're, we're talking about it within measurements that we've created that actually we don't have the tools equipped really to discuss it <laughs> you know somebody yeah. two brothers twin bro brothers can go one can go and live by the sea on the seashore and one can go live on a mountaintop and they age at different rates because time is different moves at a different pace and um, well, we know that from space too, that uh, has effect on the human body and um, not without gravity and so on and so forth. So it's like, it's just really, really fascinating. So when we talk about eternal life and infinity and the afterlife and heaven and hell, the fullness of life is now, eternity is now in this moment. You're already there. Yeah, that's all we can say for certain. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Oh, okay. It's been such an honour to get to speak to you. Yeah, you're welcome. Nice to be here. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed today's episode, please leave a review on iTunes and find me on Patreon, Instagram and YouTube at Tea with HB. Are you still here? Wow, that is so nice. You know, you seem like the kind of person who would love to sign up for my newsletter on www.teawithhb.com. Here's a preview of next episode, the season finale, 20. This is a list of 20 things I have learnt in 20 years. Advice for my younger self and future self. Lessons and epiphanies I would like to share with you. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavour. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. 
With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips and adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full important safety information, visit juviderm.com.